When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah, king Rezin of Aram and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken, as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son, Sheer Jashab, uh, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct, the upper of the upper pool, on the road to the launderer's field. Say to him, Be careful, keep calm, and do not be afraid. Uh, do not lose heart because of uh, these two smouldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram, of uh, Rezin and Aram, uh, and son of Remaliah. Uh, Aram and Ephraim and Remaliah's son have plotted your ruining, ruin, saying, Let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves, and make the son of Tabeel king over it. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says, It will not take place, it will not happen, for the head of Aram um, is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered um, to be a people." The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or the highest heights. But Ahaz says, I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house over David, it is not enough to try the patience of humans. Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will, and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid to waste. The Lord will bring on you and your people and on, your, and on the house of your father, a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah, he will bring the king of Assyria. The second Bible reading comes from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary's pledged to, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had it in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had, had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and, she named him, and he gave him the name Jesus. Somebody's phone. Oh, Rachel's. <laughs> well, good evening, everyone. It's uh, good to be with you. And well done, May, for, um, for reading uh, 
reading that. You nailed it. It was very good. It's quite a, a challenging uh, passage. It's uh, Isaiah's son. What was his name? Shia Jashub. You don't hear enough people with that name these days, do you? Let's pray as we come to reflect on this part of God's Word. Father God, thank you for your Word. We thank you for this Christmas season. And uh, we pray that you give us insight and understanding, that we would know you better, that we would respond to you as you call us to. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, are you ready for Christmas? Two weeks away, two weeks out. How are you feeling about it? Are you, uh, maybe some people are exhausted. I mean, Christmas is this kind of, it's this end point to the year, somewhat arbitrarily, I don't know why, but it's like everything's got to be done before Christmas. You, you know, that, that sort of factor that uh, everything's got to be finished before Christmas as if life doesn't actually, I mean, it does actually continue on after Christmas, but everything's got to be sort of done. So we have this exhaustion as everything has to be done before Christmas. Um, the end of the, the school year with uh, exhausted students and teachers and, uh, and parents, and I'm sure there's some of each of those in the room, as you kind of limp across the line. It's going to say the end of the uni year, but that was a while ago, and you know, <laughs> and you're not exhausted, you're just on holidays. Um, maybe you're excited. You know, I mean, Christmas can be a time of, it brings exciting things like holidays, you know, Ben's off on holidays. Um, uh, it can be a break, it can be relief at the end of once all those deadlines are, are finally uh, met and have passed. Uh, presents can be exciting. I don't know if you like presents. I like presents. Family get-togethers, they can be a, a matter of excitement and joy or sometimes exhaustion and dread, depending on, uh, on the family maybe. But I want to say whether Christmas is a time of exhaustion or excitement or a combination of both, I reckon for many people Christmas kind of functions as a, a distraction from our fears and concerns in life. See, we all have fears and concerns uh, worries, problems, I mean, things ranging from international conflicts to interpersonal tensions to internal struggles that we, we face. And I reckon this, this season of Christmas, with its exhaustion, its excitement, we kind of hope that it will at least distract us a little from our fears and concerns. But I want us to see this evening that actually Christmas promises a lot more than merely distracting us from our fears and concerns. Christmas brings the answer to our greatest fears and concerns. To see that, I want us to go back to, uh, to one of the accounts of those first Christmas events, which we may be quite familiar with, but also to dig into the background to this event, which we may be a little less familiar with. And I hope that this will help us to see, to see Christmas with its exhaustion and its excitement and to see our fears and concerns perhaps in a different light. So look with me, Matthew 1. Hope you got that open in front of you. Uh, because amongst the events recorded here in Matthew 1 of that first Christmas, Matthew tells us that Joseph faced some pretty significant fears and concerns. He was pledged to be married to, to Mary. No doubt he would have had all sorts of hopes and dreams for the future. But then it says in verse 18, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant. Oh, and we're told through the Holy Spirit. Oops, there we go. Now, in that culture, being pregnant outside of wedlock would have been a matter of great scandal, a matter of great shame. And this would have been, would have been devastating for Joseph 
to discover that his wife-to-be was, had seemingly been unfaithful. So Joseph had in mind to, to call things off. Because verse 19, we're told Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. So you want me to do it, Tim? I've got, I got it here. Yep, cool. Uh, because he was faithful to the law, or it could be uh, translated, uh, he was a righteous man. He had in mind to, to call things off. Um, just as an aside, notice that uh, this pledge to be married is a little bit more than our concept of engagement. Uh, to call off the marriage constituted, notice the word there, divorce. Uh, but that's just an interesting aside. Joseph was going to, to call things off, but he didn't want to expose Mary to public disgrace, and so he planned to do it, notice, quietly. At any rate, this was, would have been a devastating situation for Joseph. But Joseph didn't have the full picture. And so an angel of the Lord, a message from God, came through this angel in a dream and delivered some news to him that made the world of difference to his fears and concerns. The angel said, verse 20, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting to, to notice that the, the first thing the angel said was, do not be afraid. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed this before, but it seems to be a bit, a bit of a running theme. When an angel appears, the first thing they say is, do not be afraid. In uh, Luke's gospel, there are three angels who appear to uh, Zechariah, to Mary and the shepherds. And the first thing they say is, do not be afraid. Presumably because the sudden appearance of an angel is something to be afraid of. It's terrifying. Um, however, in this case, it's not fear of the angel that is relieved for Joseph in this dream, but fear of the situation of being married to a woman who has seemingly been unfaithful. It's revealed to him that this child is not from unfaithfulness. This child is from God's miraculous intervention by his Holy Spirit. The God who created the heavens and the earth by speaking them into existence has caused this child to be conceived within Mary. Now, this is news, this is a revelation that, as I said, made the world of difference to Joseph's fears and concerns. Do not fear, God is doing something here. But the message of the angel notice doesn't stop there. More is revealed. Verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, you might have a little footnote in your Bible that tells you that Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua, uh, which means the Lord saves. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. And we probably know this. But notice that Matthew, who's written this account, he adds something at this point. He, he, I mean, he could have just jumped straight to verse 24 and said, what happened next? Well, Joseph woke up and he, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, took Mary home as his wife. But Matthew adds in something else. Firstly, he says, all this took place to fulfill something God said long ago. Look there, verse 22. He says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the question is, why does Matthew add this in? 
Why does he make this, this connection to what the Lord had said through the prophet? How does that, that connection add to our understanding of what's going on here? So we might think, well, well, Matthew's just saying, well, hey, you know, God said that a virgin would conceive and give birth to a son. And look, a virgin conceives and will give birth to a son. Cool. God's like faithful and stuff. Yeah, good. Well, yeah, indeed, God is like faithful and stuff. Uh, he is faithful to his promises, but... I think there's more going on than just reminding us that God is faithful. Isaiah made this promise some 700 years before, and this reference to Isaiah's prophecy, well, it helps helps us to to see and understand more of what is going on in this situation. And to see that, we need to to turn back to Isaiah. We need to enter into uh, the world of Isaiah in ancient Israel. Uh, Isaiah chapter 7, if you've, got, if you've got your Bibles there, you can flick back to Isaiah 7. It will come up on the screen, but I always think it's, it's good to follow along in your own Bible. Uh, this was a time in, Isaiah, in um, Israel, in Judah, of great fear and concern. Let's give you the lie of the land. Um, here's a map. I'll zoom in a little bit. Hopefully you can see that. Um, and uh, the lie of the land is that Ahaz was king of Judah. Uh, he's based in the... the in the, the southern tribes of Judah, in the capital, Jerusalem. North of Judah, that, that blue area, is the, the kingdom of, of Israel, or the rest, the other tribes of Israel, also known as Ephraim. Uh, they'd broken away from Judah at this point. They were under the reign of Pekah, king of Israel. Further north was Aram, with its king, Rezin. Now, if all those funny names are kind of confusing you, we've got three kings. Two, two in the north going up against the one in the south. King Pekah of Israel, King Rezin of Aram, against King Ahaz of Judah in Jerusalem. And Ahaz, Ahaz is terrified. So God sends Isaiah to reassure him. This is his message. God says to Isaiah, say to him, say to Ahaz, be careful, keep calm and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart. Because of these two smouldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and of the son of Remaliah. Aram, Ephraim, and Remaliah's son have plotted your ruin, saying, Let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves, and make the son of Tabil king over it. Um, yet this is what the sovereign Lord says it will not take place, it will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only Rezin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. The message is, be careful, keep calm, don't be afraid, don't lose heart. Isaiah says to Ahaz, look, Aram, Ephraim, they might look scary, but to God... They're like two stubs of smouldering firewood. Do not fear. God is doing something here. Trust him. Now, at this point, the Lord wanted to give Ahaz even more reassurance. So verse 10, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. He's commanded, ask God for a sign. But verse 12 Ahaz said, I will not ask. Now, it's a pretty dumb thing 
to defy a direct command of God. God says, ask me for a sign. Ahaz says, I will not ask. He tries to kind of cover up his defiant unbelief by adding, I will not put the Lord to the test. Uh, Ironically, by refusing to ask, he, he is testing the Lord's patience, as verse 13 goes on to say. But despite Ahaz's refusal, the Lord still provides a sign. He promises a sign. He says, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring on you and on your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria. So the sign that God promises is that a virgin, or it could be translated young woman, will conceive and give birth to a son. He he will reject the wrong, choose the right, unlike Ahaz and unlike Judah. And he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And, And while the boy is still young, the Lord will lay waste to these two rival kings. He will raise up against them, against them all. He will raise up the king of Assyria. Now, if we read on to, in chapter 8, we discover that, that uh, it expands on this and, and we, we see how Isaiah made, then made love to the uh, prophetess, presumably his wife, who conceived and gave birth to a son. And we discover that while the boy was still young, the Lord promised to use the king of Assyria, the, the superpower of the day, to, to bring against them, uh, to come against them like a mighty floodwater. Uh, look there in, in chapter 8, verse 7, it says, It that is Assyria, will overflow all its channels, run over all its banks and sweep on into Judah, swirling over it, passing through it and reaching up to the neck. Its outspread wings will cover the breadth of your land. Emmanuel. Now notice the Emmanuel sign here in Isaiah 7 and 8, the the God with us sign is not just a kind of nice, warm, fuzzy that you know, God has come to us at Christmas to wish us a happy Christmas, to cheer us up a bit. No, the Emmanuel here is that the sovereign almighty Lord has come near and in the case of defiant rebellious kings has come in judgment. But with this judgment Emmanuel also comes this son who will reject the wrong, choose the right and will bring deliverance for God's people. And as we read on into chapter 9, we discover, as Sam read before, that this son will come as the one who is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, this son who will bring deliverance. This is the message of, of Isaiah 7, this, this call in the face of an overwhelming threat to not be afraid, to not lose heart, to stand firm in your faith because of Emmanuel, the sovereign almighty Lord is with us to bring judgment and deliverance. This is what Matthew taps into. This is what he says is being fulfilled through the birth of this child of Mary. This child will come as God with us which, well, 
given our capacity for rebellion and sin, could be a matter of great fear for us. And yet the angel announces that he will come not to condemn his people for their sin, but to save his people from their sins. We might be facing all sorts of fears and concerns. Um, Christmas may increase those or it may kind of distract us from those. But you know, the greatest fear for us, the, the overwhelming threat that we face, the the fear of God with us in judgment, of being rightly condemned because of our sin, that fear has been met head on by this Christmas announcement. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. The Lord saves because he will save his people from their sins. 700 years BC, before Jesus, Isaiah said to Ahaz, don't be afraid, God is doing something here, trust him. Before the birth of of Jesus, the angel said to Joseph, don't be afraid, God is doing something here, trust him. God's word says to us today, don't be afraid, God is doing something here. God has given us hope, hope of the Saviour. So by way of implication, I want to ask you two questions. Firstly, are you ready for Christmas? That is, have you acknowledged what your greatest need is, your biggest problem? I mean, Ahaz thought his biggest problem was the threat of these two northern kingdoms. The Lord said, they're not a problem. They're they're like two smouldering stubs of firewood. No, Ahaz's biggest problem was his own faithless rebellion. Uh, Joseph, well, he understandably thought his biggest problem was a seemingly unfaithful wife. Uh, The Lord says, don't stress, things are not as they seem. The the bigger problem that's being addressed here is saving people from their sins. We may have various felt needs, uh, various concerns that we have, but our biggest need, whether it's felt or not, is to be saved from our sins. To be forgiven for for our rejection of God and his ways, and to be brought into a right relationship with God. So have you acknowledged your greatest need? Are you ready for Christmas? Are you ready to see in amongst all the the distractions of Christmas, the message of deliverance that it brings? And secondly, related to that, have you received the gift Have you put your trust in Jesus so that he will save you from your sins? I mean, our sin matters and we deserve God's judgment just as Ahaz did. But such is God's love for us that that Jesus came and died in our place so that we could be saved from God's judgment and be forgiven. That salvation is a gift Have you received it? If you haven't, I want to say, what are you waiting for? Get ready for Christmas by coming before God in prayer, acknowledging your need of forgiveness and receiving the salvation that Jesus has won for you. Our Christmas series is called The Thrill of Certain Hope. Because of Christmas, 
or more to the point, because of Jesus, we have hope. And it's real hope, it's certain hope, it's not kind of wishful thinking hope, it's not positive aspiration, it's a sure and certain hope that the future knowledge and expectation that when we appear before God on that final day, we will be saved from our sins because of Jesus. He has come as Emmanuel, bringing God's judgment for sin, not upon us, but upon himself and bringing salvation from sin for us. This is hope. This is real hope. This is certain hope. This is hope that thrills. Hope. Hope of the Saviour. Will you pray with me? Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the certain hope that you have given us in Jesus. Father, we thank you that we need not fear because you have met and dealt with our greatest need. Father, we thank you that you have come to us, Lord, that you have come to us, Emmanuel, as our Lord and Saviour, Jesus. Father, please prepare our hearts and minds Please ready us for Christmas as we acknowledge our greatest need, the need for salvation from our sins. And Father, for any here this evening who as yet have not received the gift that you've given in Jesus, please open their hearts and minds to receive him, to trust him, to delight and rejoice in him. And Father, may we all this Christmas season See afresh the hope that you have given us in Jesus. And we ask this in his name. Amen.